Hello, all you leadership educators out there, and welcome to Real Leadership for Real People, the NASPA SLPKC podcast, where we amplify true voices of leadership education. I'm your host, Kathy Guthrie, and I serve as a faculty member in the Higher Education Program at Florida State University. And I am your co-host, Dr. Cameron Beatty, also at Florida State University in the Higher Education Program. And we are so excited to be joined by Dr. Jesse Ford, who will be sharing with us his thoughts on engaging uh, Black men in really thinking about developing courses and syllabi that are intentional. Uh, but first, Kathy, let's check in. Let's, there's been a lot going on. So Oof. how are you feeling? How are you doing? Oh, my goodness. I, you know, I'm doing really well. I, you know, I have been thinking so much when we're recording this, the Olympics are happening. And I've been witnessing such amazing, you know, things unfolding. <laughs> Last night, a diver just dumped in, jumped into the pool because they weren't prepared to do their dive. I don't think I've ever seen that before. There's just been some really um, incredible things unfolding. And so for me, what's on my mind right now is about the people who are around you and how they support. I've been watching Simone Biles cheering on her teammates in such beautiful ways. Uh, so I've really been reflecting on that. And I think these last 18 months have demonstrated that even um, more for me and how and why that's important for us as we all navigate this journey of life together, but who we keep around us um, and how we interact is just uh, even more important. So uh, yeah, what about you? What are you, that, that literally all of that, I was thinking about this morning as I was brushing my teeth. So, yeah, you know, intense. And I'm along the same lines of thinking about how leadership shows up in different ways. And then how I was thinking about how do we teach, like, how do we, how do we use this moment as a teaching moment? Um, and I've been thinking about it in a very practical, uh, logistical way. And I've been thinking about, you know, we, we started to use blogs and podcasts and the way that we're engaging uh, students and I have seen a, quite a few Twitter threads and quite a few Facebook um, posts. And I was like, well, how can we contextualize this and use this type of uh, reflections that people have been reflecting on as far as Simone Biles and how she showed strength? And they have these beautiful long Twitter threads. And I was like, how can we use this and maybe even use it as like a uh, a, a discussion post prompt? Um, I I don't know if you, Kathy, you probably saw this, uh, but there was one Facebook post just really quickly, and it talked about Carrie Shrug and the uh, yes. Yes. 96 Olympics and how he uh -huh. thought she was just wonderful. And then his daughter watched it. It's like, well, why did she go again if she was hurt? Right. And it totally right. it totally shook him and reframing. And I was like, well, this would be a wonderful, really interesting discussion post for us to think about uh, how do, how do we look at something from a new lens, a new eye, mm -hmm. uh, especially through the, through the eyes of the young, <laughs> who right. I think are the most amazing leaders, right? Because they they really question why we do things the way we do. How do we approach what is true leadership and why is it leadership? And I was like, this is I gotta bookmark this because this is a wonderful discussion post. So just along those lines, I've been thinking about different pedagogical approaches of engaging in conversation and discussion around reimagining leadership and leadership learning. Well, and again, those people we keep around us, right? Saying yeah. we should do it again, do it again yeah. versus yeah. wait, let's let's think about this a little differently. And and I have had a lot of people close to me being like, whoa, 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 Kathy, let's think about things a little differently instead of just going through, which um, has been great just to kind of pause and, and take that all in. And so, I mean, there was even a runner who got tripped up by a USA runner, got tripped up by a Nigerian 
and they end up hugging like and running across the finish line together and it's like you see those moments but it's those true times when I think you know this runner has worked his whole life to get there and then that happened and it was like it was an accident instead of you know there were all different ways that we can you know react to things but then how and and I see that with my eight-year-old daughter is how we keep those, she models us. And so if we enter into something, but I think about those we keep around us, we do that as well, right? So Absolutely. it's just powerful. Well, thank you. Yes, thank you. It's a lot, a lot in our world that we have to reflect on. But let's get into today's topic because I think this that fits right into what we're both saying, Cameron. Um, but as Cameron mentioned, um, Dr. Jesse Ford, he is an assistant professor of higher education at the University of North Carolina Greensboro. Thank you so much for joining us, Jesse. It's an honor to be here. I'm super excited to engage in this conversation with the both of you and hopefully engage into some new learning around leadership as we dive into this, this chat. Awesome. Full transparency, Jesse's a friend to both Kathy and I. So this will be a, a real conversation with friends. Um, and Jesse, just so the audience, we you know, of course, Kathy and I know you, but we would love for those listening uh, to really get to know you a little bit better. Um, so before we get started, we have these questions that kind of dig deep <laughs> and, and are fun. And the first one that we have is, what song do you love to sing when you are alone in the car? If you all can see my face, I am laughing because this one is always funny for me. Um, as I think about what I like to do in the car lately, I have been listening to Ace of Bases, I Saw the Sign. And so I crank it loud um, because I can't sing, I sound horrible. But if you turn it up loud enough, you can't hear yourself and you can only hear them. So that is my song right now. Um, probably a shocker to some, but a little older, but a classic for me. If you just read oh. the words, it's a beautiful poem, really. Like it's it's a poem, right? <laughs> it really is. Yes. Now great. Now I'm gonna have that song stuck in my head the rest of the day. Cause it is one of those that gets it's a good stuck. song. It is a great song. It is a great song. Well, and it makes me think you wrote an activity for one of the activity guides, I think the um, butterfly book, as, as I call it, about music and the use of music. So that question is really is really perfect for you. Okay, next question. If you could only eat one food or meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Macaroni and cheese, hands down. <laughs> I am one of those people that will judge you based on how you make your macaroni and cheese. Um, I grew up with my grandmother making it. My mother has her own. And then, of course, ver different variations throughout my life. But macaroni and cheese is like the meal. Probably not the healthiest meal, but the meal for me. Yeah, I'm a little lactose, but uh, I'll, I'll pop a peel and engage in some good, some good macaroni and cheese. So our last question for you, Jesse, really helps us enter into the, so the conversation for, for today's topic and today's podcast. And it's really thinking about who or what sparked your interest in leadership. This is a good one. Um, when I think about leadership and I think about my, my life journey, the, the lifespan, I think about high school and being on the track team and being the leader of the long distance runners and what that meant, because my track coach was very much the type of individual who would say, you need to make sure everyone's here on time, make sure that they're ready to go. And we were high school students. We often were playing around, not ready by the time we were supposed to be at practice. 
And so really trying to be that force for folks that were younger than me to like, hey, get ready, make sure that you're stretched out, that you're ready for our warm up. But also on the other side with my peers, really trying to learn how to engage them to, to perform. Because I think the other piece of that is it's difficult when you don't necessarily have a place of power, but you're learning that leadership goes both above you, but below you at the same time. And so when I think about my earlier thoughts around leadership, it really revolves around track and being a runner, something I don't do as much as I need to be doing these days. No, that's, it is thinking about the reciprocity, right? And leaders and followers and those around us. It goes back to my, what I'm thinking about and those who are around us and then what we can learn. No, thank you for that. Um, you know, as, as Jesse, as you know, the season on the NASPA SLPKC podcast, we're focusing on socially just and culturally relevant leadership learning. And not only did you write a narrative for, you know, an upcoming book, Operationalizing Culturally Relevant Leadership Learning that, you know, Cameron and I are um, co-authored, but you're also in the process of co-editing a book with Cameron <laughs> on Black male leadership. And so can you talk a little bit, I'm going to throw kind of two questions at you. Can you talk a little bit about the narrative that you um, wrote for the Operationalizing Culturally Relevant Leadership Learning? And then can you touch on the book? that you and Cameron are co-editing? Sure. Uh, I'll start with the narrative because that's fresh on my mind right now. Um, so I teach a course here at UNCG called Leadership in Higher Education. Many higher ed programs have such a course. I took one with you, Dr. Guthrie. Um, but my course here really centered around, is centered around culturally responsive leadership learning. Um, I teach the model and teach how to operationalize the model throughout the 16 weeks that we are together. And so it is my way to make sure that our students are being cognizant of social identities, specifically within the context of marginalized groups and communities and how we use those identities to really think about not only ourselves and how we engage with others, but also how we do the work better. And so the course, the design, the syllabus is really anchored in that. I, gosh, I think I was at an airport when I actually first read, and I cannot remember the name, the title of the book. It's a book that centers around this idea of tempered radicals. I'm blanking on the name of the text. Um, but in the book, the author talks specifically about this idea of wanting to be in the boat or in the organization, but also at the same time wanting to rock the boat or to change or to encourage people to think differently. And so that book kind of anchored my thoughts around how I would structure this course. And so not only from the syllabus, from our initial classroom conversations, but throughout the entire course, we're talking and trying to figure out how we can do leadership better, how where we may be in the middle or be in an entry level role, but how do we shake things up? How do we change the organization? How do we make it better? How do we perform and do better? Um, so my narrative and my work in the classroom really centers around how do we do leadership differently, even though we're not necessarily in the quote unquote leadership roles or leadership spaces where people are making decisions. Oh, I love that. And I love the rock the boat kind of metaphor, right? Like how can we do that and disrupt what's happening? And so thank you for sharing the narrative. And I know I kind of threw a lot at you with the narrative and the book, but I think it's important to see the landscape of what you're working with. Cause I know that they influence each other. I mean, both have influenced me. So, so now the book that you and Cameron and Cameron, of course, please jump in about what you're co-editing. Cause I think this is so important for 
the future of leadership learning. And so that's why I'm kind of throwing that in there as well, because I know our listeners would love to hear and know more about that. Yeah. Um, and feel free, Cameron, to jump in, of course. The book itself is probably the most exciting project that I've worked on to date. It has been a whirlwind to actually learn the process. Uh, for those of you that do not know, I don't think I mentioned this in the beginning, I'm very new to faculty world and faculty life. Um, a recent graduate of Florida State jumped into the professoriate and really learning the ropes of how to manage this book process from both Kathy and Cameron. So it has been a learning process of growth and trying to figure out what that means. But on the other side of that, really getting to engage with folks around these ideas of leadership and what it means to be a Black man in a number of different spaces. We have chapters from a variety of different scholars and practitioners that are in the classroom, outside the classroom, on different types of campuses that are looking at new ways to engage students that are maybe graduate students where we don't have conversations as much about leadership. So the book itself really focuses on that identity of being Black and man, but also on the other side of that, what does that mean to wrestle with our college communities, whether you're a student athlete, whether you're at a community college, whether you are not really engaged with leadership at all, and how do we engage those populations? And so I'm excited for, for what the book is and what it's shaping up to be. I think we have a rock star cast of authors, um, some really, really great content, but above all, just something new and exciting for the field. Yeah, it's been a, it's been quite a joy um, to echo what, what Jesse's saying of, of thinking about this work um, from the lens that's very specific. Um, and a couple of the chapters, the middle of the book, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to come back to the podcast and talk about the book when it drops. But the middle of the book introduces the lived experience through a vignette of Black men. So a lived experience of us, like to Jesse's point, a student athlete or a lived experience of a first year, first generation Black man and how he's engaging in understanding and learning in, in, in spaces um, about leadership. And I love the vignette because you can see yourself through these, even though you might not be a Black college man, you can see yourself um, through these lived experiences in the process of of engaging in leadership learning. So I'm really excited. Um, and Jesse, thank you for, for co-editing with me. Thank you for being a partner in this process. Um, I really have uh, appreciated it. And thank you for contributing your narrative to the operationalizing the CRLO book. Um, I really was hoping that you could share a bit more about your own lived experiences. So talk to us a bit more about that personal and you've shared some of that professional background, but how those experiences have shaped your own leadership, how you approach leadership learning, the practice of leadership. Sure. Um, so this is something most people don't know about me. I don't talk about it very often. I grew up in a small town in the middle of nowhere, South Carolina. Um, it's spelled Latta, L-A-T-T-A. It's on the 95 corridor, I-95 corridor, um, an area that we call the corridor of shame. Um, it's low income, low SES, K through 12 schools. And in that area where I kind of grew up, um, I didn't see a lot, I wasn't exposed to a lot. I grew up on a farm. And so my father raised cattle. We had 4,000 pigs that he would raise every couple of months. Crops, horses, cows, you name it. We can grow it, keep it alive. Um, and I learned that process. And so a lot of my earlier I think messages or understanding around work really or around that work ethic of building that work ethic and then transferring those skills into the classroom into other spaces. And so 
my childhood, my K through 12 experience was by and large working. Um, by the time I was old enough to get a part-time job, I got a part-time job too, largely in part because I didn't want to do the farm work anymore. Um, but there, there are pieces there that I think I learned and kind of ushered me throughout my journey. Um, I went to college and got involved with everything from a tour guide to a fraternity, um, a host of different other experiences that really pushed this idea of leadership for me. Um, and I think a lot of that really was just being in the spaces at the right time. I think we talk a lot about how students have to go to these involvement fairs and and really get involved and get connected. I wasn't that student. I was the student that would pop up in your office and ask you a million questions and kind of be kind of awkward, you know, like I don't really know what you do or how you do it, but I want to do it. And I think there were lessons around leadership and engagement that I learned just from asking questions. And that honestly has really propelled my career. And so they're kind of in tandem. My childhood of learning how to do the farm stuff, asking questions of my father, on into present day of trying to figure out how to be a professor and asking questions around how do you do that process. And so leadership has kind of been modeled, but also something that I've learned by asking questions and trying to figure it out in both personal and professional spaces. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it is our lived experiences really write our, help us write our own narrative and our own, yeah. <laughs> Uh, deep reflection about that lately, for sure. So you've talked a little bit about tempered radicals, right? And how that is um, something that has shaped your thinking and your approach. Is there anything else from outside of leadership education that informs your thinking and your approach? Definitely. Um, honestly, I have been in this space of reflection of my own. And I think part of it is being watching my younger brother grow up and watching him navigate the world. My little brother is six years younger than me and grew up very differently. I grew up with both my parents. Um, he grew up without one of them at particular points in his life. And so really learning and figuring out how do you do and learn life, but also on the other side of that, how do you grow and what does that mean? And I think about his socialization, not only to in school, but just in life um, and some of the challenges that he's encountered. I also think about other people um, that have really just been like rock stars in my life and how those people really have shown or taught me things that weren't necessarily connected to things I was trying to do or places that I was trying to go, but more or less just a lesson you need to learn. Um, I think about my grandmother, for example, who would love to say things like, learn to be bold with your approach, but be humble while you're approaching it. Um, while that has nothing to do with leadership education, it is something that has definitely shaped who I am and how I show up. Always be cognizant of your surroundings, which is small but major when you think about how you engage with different populations and different communities and different spaces. And so I think there's something to be said about the little nuggets that you pick up from individuals along the way. Um, one that has been a salient, salient factor in this chapter of my life is what kind of life do you want to live? Um, I've been holding on to that one a lot. And as I've been trying to figure out what kind of life I want to live, I think part of it honestly is, am I doing what I want to do? And is that showing up in the work that I do, but also the personal life that I live as well? Absolutely. Um, I, I've been 
reflecting on that as well, right? And especially the times that we're living in and the times that we're living in are forcing us um, to really assess, you know, where we each are in our lives. Um, so, so Jesse, as we transition to the, to the conversation of focusing on your particular narrative, um, specifically in the operationalizing CRLL piece, um, how do you see your particular narrative as practical scholarship, which then can be applied to address what's happening, you know, when various crises on our campuses? I see my work, um, the narrative, but also my, my broader work to really speak to some of these injustices that we're seeing in our society. I think about how, I think in a lot of cases, our student affairs partners that are working with students, helping them develop skills and attributes to not only leave campus, just to be successful in space, are doing a, I'll say it, they're doing a good job. They're doing a better job of um, engaging our students around some of these ideas. And I don't think we do it as effectively in the classroom. I think we have gotten really good at teaching the knowledge, making sure that students get the theoretical pieces, the curriculum pieces. But if we're not teaching both those things in tandem, then I think we're missing the boat somewhere. And I can't say that all, all folks in the professoriate aren't doing it well, but I think there needs to be more conversation about the identity that people bring into place in spaces and how that identity impacts the ways in which they engage with leadership. My particular narrative was a shot or an attempt to try to get students to think about how they could essentially do that better. And I think part of that is the ways in which I engage them. When you walk into my class, I'm very upfront. I don't do well if you don't talk. And if you don't talk, this won't be good for you. We are, this is a true, true course where you have to engage with the material. I expect you to read. I'm going to ask you about the read, but more importantly, I'm going to ask you about the reading, but more importantly, I'm going to try to figure out Three simple things. What do you know? What don't you know? And how can we make sure that our students are better off? And I think in those three questions, I'm really, really wrestling with who are you as an individual? Who are you trying to become? And how do I help you get there? And I think the syllabus itself and the construction of the narrative, which is based on the syllabus, is my attempt to give them that living document of this is what CRLL is. This is how it shows up in your space. This is how you will show up in this space as a social justice educator, and this is how we will co-create a learning environment. And so really working with students to build those competencies so that they actually can do this work, that they are critical to this work, and that this work exists not only in their extracurriculars, but also in the classroom. And I, I also think about how, you know, of course, in curricular spaces, we talk about it as syllabus, syllabi development, but how that does happen in co-curricular spaces, it's just not so formalized, right? Like we have, we'll do the, what are the expectations that we have as a community to learn? And yes, this, these last 18 months have been different because we've been in a virtual space, but I can think of the, all the times in the flip chart that I've had the flip chart paper and I've been writing, like, how do we build this community? And um, how do we make it a living document? And I, I should, can you talk a little bit about your background in student affairs? Because you spent many years um, at University of Miami. I know that for sure. <laughs> but can you talk a little bit about that in your background? Because I think that also, it, you know, is part of your lived experience and how you come to this work. Absolutely. So um, I graduated from Coastal Carolina in 2010. 
uh, super overly involved master's students, left Coastal and started two years of a master's program at South Carolina. Um, the University of South Carolina was good for me because I didn't quite know what I wanted to do in terms of higher education. I got an assistantship in multicultural student affairs and simultaneously worked for the Office of Paternity and Sorority Life, but I didn't know really what I wanted to do. I had had some mentors that encouraged me to kind of jump into the field, like many of us. Oh, you'd be great at higher education. Go do student affairs. I was that person. Um, so I spent two years learning about primarily how to do social justice diversity work. And when it came time to enter the job search, I was focused on staying in South Carolina and somehow ended up in Miami, Florida. Um, it's crazy how those things happen where you're right. <laughs> I'm not going that far. And then I took a job and I moved and those four years were transformational. I got there and I will be honest, I thought I knew everything about the work that I was doing until you're placed into an environment where you don't know the players, you don't know the type of student, you don't know the demographic, you don't know the city. And Miami was such a different place than rural South Carolina or even what we would consider the major city, Columbia, um, of South Carolina. And so I got there and I was really just trying to figure out how to do the work. And so for me, that was a lot of reading, a lot of talking and trying to figure out the different communities of people that inhabit that campus. And so I spent four years there doing social justice, diversity education work, primarily around programming, working with student organizations, and then also running their Heritage Month celebrations as well. And so throughout those experiences, it was really trying to build knowledge for students about their own particular identities and I think in tandem, that really shapes how I think about leadership, because when you're working with student organizations and student leaders in particular, or developing student leaders, there's so much of that that is critical to knowing who you are and how you're able to perform the work. And I think in those experiences, primarily around the Heritage Month celebrations, where you may not know a lot about your culture prior to being in a space, really would be me. Let's take a step back. What do you know about, for example, um, your Jamaican heritage? And some of them may not know a lot. And so there is often some history and some learning there, but developing and understanding those identities were salient then. And then it transfers into the classroom all the same. How do you know and understand who you are, your histories, um, and how do those social identities in tandem work with you developing your leadership identity? That's wonderful. Thank you for that context. So where, where do you see this work going next? The work that you did with a narrative and with a, a Black male leadership book that you're co-editing. How do you hope others will move these ideas forward? Because it's not just you, right? It's all of us collectively. Honestly, I am still figuring it out. And I think the, yeah. the, the good thing about that is we, we're in such a space right now in, I think, our society where we talk about our community and where it is and where it's situated and it's constantly evolving. I think the work has to continuously constantly evolve as well. And I hate to use COVID-19 as my example, but we had no idea how that was going to shape up the world in which we live in. No idea. Um, I defended my dissertation on March 12th and March 15th, I discovered that we would not be going back to campus. Um, and then I started a brand new job in the middle of a pandemic and I had no idea where the stapler was, let alone how to actually teach and engage completely 
um, in a virtual environment in a virtual space. And so even in that, gosh, what has it been, 16 months or so? In that time frame or that time span of just trying to be and exist, I've changed and evolved so much. And I think the work is continuously to change and evolve as well. Particularly within the context of my own work, I do want to continue the work around um, Black men and Black students and this concepts and ideas around leadership, but more so some of that competency building of how do you see yourself? How do your identities play out? And do you see yourself as a leader? If so, why not? Or if so, why? I think those are very simple questions, but questions I think we need to dive in a little bit more. What lived experiences, what life experiences, what are you bringing to the table that help you or are helping you to develop some of those competencies around these words, leadership, leader identity, a leader, um, things that we kind of throw around as three different words, but um, some people see them as the same and they're all vastly different. And so how do we look at those things and help students operationalize, but also conceptualize who they are in the greater context of those terms? Uh, you know, we're on the same page with being very clear about language and the intention, intentional use of language, because when you're intentional about the use of language, then you can really measure outcomes, you can really assess where you are um, with outcomes um, and trying to achieve. So, you know, I, we see each other there. Um, the, the last question we kind of we love to end on with with our guests, um, bringing a brighter note is really thinking about what 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 brings you joy, what protects your hope for the future um what what is a bright note um when thinking about the future of socially just leadership education what what gives you joy around the future i think it's the students that i get to work with now um being here uh, i don't know how familiar you are with uncg i don't know if folks are are really familiar with our institution we are the minor we are one of the minority serving institutions in the state. And so a lot of my students come to campus with the host of the same knapsack of feelings and emotions around college, right? Like, I want to be here, I want to be a college student. I'm not quite sure if I'm cut out to be a college student. And I'm not even sure if I'm going to be great for the profession of student affairs. But I want to do it. And and having moments with them when they have those light bulb moments, you know, when the students' eyes get big and they're like, yes, I understand, or I totally get this because I lived it. There's something to be said about that. And I think in those moments, those light bulb moments are where I get the most joy in this work. I think when we're talking about socially just leadership education, this is something that spreads across all my, all my classes. Um, all four of them, but you know, I have the one that's specifically focused on leadership, but leadership doesn't go away from the other three courses that I teach. And so knowing that the joy or the hope or the continuation of acknowledging that we have some rock stars that are coming up next to do the work around leadership in the context of student affairs, that's my joy. I truly, truly love when they eyes, the eyes of the students just brighten up or they have that moment after class, you know, when they walk up to you and it's, you're like packing your stuff up as the professor and trying to figure out, did I tell them everything that I need to tell them today? Do I need to make a note for next week? And one of them says, I really like class today. 
and here's why. And you have that why moment of like, okay, let's unpack that. And then it's 8.30 and you were supposed to be done at seven and you haven't had dinner yet. Those are the moments that I think give me joy. Oh, well, thank you, Dr. Jesse Ford for, for sharing. I think all of your stories, your time, your energy, talk about someone who shows up and gives 110% every second. And so thank you for always being in this work with us, right? Because we've talked about this collective nature and how we need all of us to be moving forward. So just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me into your space. Um, I think these spaces are spaces that I don't get to occupy as much. We have a lot of conversations in the classroom, but these broader spaces where we're having these conversations are so valuable too. So thank you both for allowing me to be here. Wonderful. Well, to our listeners out there, um, keep on with your leadership learning. And until then, keep it real out there.